Welcome to Unity of Tucson. The five principles are the five basic principles of unity. There are five basic principles of unity. And essentially, that's all we ever really focus on and teach. Last week, we talked about the first principle, the first principle being God is all there is. That's it. God is all there is. Whether you call it the universal spiritual power, the infinite creative energy, whatever you choose to call it, I choose to call it God. I also, use, I also choose to call it love. It is a creative energy, and it's the only thing that exists. And, and we then step into principle two, which is you, me, all of us, we are God. Oh, blasphemy, right? It can be blasphemous. That, that statement can sound blasphemous from the point of view of someone who's perhaps grown up with a different idea. But here's how I, here's how I, here's how I work that in my own mind. If God is all there is, God is infinite. And there can be nothing separate from the infinite. We cannot be separate from the infinite. Otherwise, we are finite and God is finite. And so that's how I have logically come to a place of realization of my identity and the identity of each and every person I encounter as God. So her second chapter is entitled, You Are God. You Are God. And then she starts the chapter with this. What's the point of spiritual growth? She asks that question. What's the point of spiritual growth? Seriously, if God is not a wrathful deity keeping tabs on our behavior, behavior and poised to send us to hell, why is it important to follow a spiritual path? Here's the thing. The answer to that question is going to be as varied as there are people who ask the question. You get to decide why it is important to follow a spiritual path, and you are welcome to choose to follow a spiritual path or not. Like I say every week, I'm not here to tell you what to think. I mean, I say it in various ways. I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'm not here to tell you what to believe. I'm here to offer tenets and in an, in an ideas that perhaps you can allow yourself to move forward with to enhance the quality of your life. Because what I have found is that em embracing a spiritual path for me has enhanced my quality of life. And so that's what drove, drove me. I don't even want to say I was driven. I was inspired to be a minister so that I could share this with the world. That's exciting to me, right? So the answer is, the answer to that question, why is it important to follow a spiritual path? You get to decide why it's important. Now this song that I chose today, and, and, and there's, a, there's a construct around it. I have always wanted to sing this song on the Sunday right before Halloween. <laughs> because it's a trick-or-treat song. There's the treat, I'm the trick. <laughs> Here are the lyrics. Beyond that road lies a shining world, he sings. Beyond that road lies despair. Beyond that road lies a world that's gleaming, people who are scheming, beauty, hunger, glory, sorrow, never a pain or care. He's liable to find a couple of surprises there. Right, so we're playing very specific characters. I'm playing the pragmatist, he's playing the idealist. 
Now, the funny thing, I'm, I'm going to tell you, the funny th so this is a song from the musical The Fantastics, which premiered in 1960 off-Broadway. To my knowledge, it never had a Broadway run, but it ran off-Broadway for something like almost 50 years. It, was, it, is, it is still to this day the longest-running musical in history. Yeah. Um, it did close off-Broadway several years ago, and then it reopened a couple years after that. And I think it now is still playing in New York City. So in this play, there's this character named El Gallo. That's the pragmatist, right? And then there's a character... But funny enough, the character's name is Matt, and Matt played Matt. But El Gallo is kind of the pragmatist, the voice of, the voice of reason throughout the play, trying to always guide in some way to settling into realizing what life is really all about. And that's kind of what we do in this philosophy. We're kind of always balancing the idealism and the pragmatism. That's what happens in New Thought. And I think that that's what many mystics have initially struggled with as they began their journey of being mystics. That they were struggling with the idealism and the pragmatism and trying to find the balance between the two. I think that Buddha, Muhammad, Jesus, Moses, they all were struggling with these ideas. Now, New Thought as a philosophical path, I will remind you, was never meant to be a religion. Welcome to church. <laughs> it was always meant to be a philosophical uh, corollary to whatever path was yours, whatever religious path was yours. And the tenets of new thought can really be applied to all faith traditions. That's why we honor all faith traditions. Now, the development of new thought has deep ties into the philosophical construct of idealism. You're getting a little bit of a lecture today, but I promise it's going somewhere. So the philosophical construct of idealism, really the philosophy of Plato, remember that guy? Did you study that guy you know, when you were in school? Um, basically holds to these ideas. See if these resonate with you. See if these sound familiar to you. Idealism is this, the set of metaphysical perspectives asserting reality is equivalent to mind, spirit, or consciousness. That reality is entirely a mental construct, or that ideas are the highest form of reality, or have the greatest claim to being considered real. Does that sound familiar? Sound like a philosophy, perhaps, that we've been talking about for a while here? It's what I talk about every week. Our minds are creative. Our minds rooted in our thoughts, our beliefs, and the feelings that are all related to those thoughts and beliefs. It is creative. And so reality is the experience we are having in mind. So El Gallo guides Matt on this journey of realization. We talk a lot about realization in this philosophy as well. So on Halloween every year, well, not every year, not since I was an adult for the most part have I actually dressed up and gone trick-or-treating. I don't know about you. I did go trick-or-treating a lot when I was a teenager, but I would usually go up to the door, knock on the door, 
trick or treat, and they would open the door and they'd go, you're grown up. <laughs> but I don't want to be. <laughs> I started thinking about the nature of that experience, where in trick or treating, the costumed child is the idealist. Right? We're going to go out, and we know that we're going to find the houses with the good candy. Right? We know that it's all good and so much fun, and we're playful and everything. Yes, we have an expectation of only good. We have an expectation of only good. And then they are subject to the pragmatists, the parents' warning. Make sure you check your candy. Make sure if they give you an apple that you don't bite into it, because there might be a razor blade in there. Um, I never found a razor blade in an apple. The trick is that the parents are offering relativistic warnings. They're saying, we need to be aware of the circumstances, and we need to be concerned about the circumstances. And this is not to diss on parents, because parents are doing the best job they can. And they want to protect their children, right? Just like Al Gaio is trying to protect Matt by saying, the world out there is not going to be what you expect. I love Matt's perspective, though, because he's basically saying, or is it? Maybe it should be exactly what I expect. So the treat is the frame of mind, the experience in mind that we choose to have. And we're all walking that balancing act like a tightrope all the time. I still walk it. I still have this balancing act going on. I still have moments. I talked about a moment last week when I was in Hawaii and talked about my friend and his experience with the, you know, in the medical world and having to be airlifted out of, off of Kauai and go to Oahu. That is a relativistic concern that I got to have the experience of. But my role, what I decided my role was in that relative experience was to be the idealist, to be the one who says, I have an expectation of only good, irrespective of what the circumstances look like, and that is what we teach in New Thought. And it all is rooted in our frame of mind. Reality is equivalent to mind, spirit, or consciousness. The reality we are experiencing is the reality that we are interpreting in mind, in consciousness, in spirit. So what does any of this have to do with the second principle, which is you are God? The second principle being you are God. Now, I want to be very clear, because this is what people sometimes think when, you know, I stand up here and say, I am God. Or if you go out and, like, here's the thing, y'all going to have uh, Thanksgiving at some point? If you do not have a family that is involved in new thought, it's probably not a great idea to sit at the Thanksgiving table and say, so my preacher, my preacher. I am dressed. I mean, I guess I am preaching. My minister told me that he is God, and he said that I am God. You know, that may not go over too well in some circles in, at Thanksgiving. So just be aware of, your, of, of who you're talking to. What we are not saying, we are not saying we are the allness of God. That's not what we're saying. We are not saying that we are dominating others because we know our identity. No, we are saying this. We are an, an individualization of the infinite creative spirit. We are an individualization of the most high. We are an individualization of this creative energy. We are unified wholeness with dominion only over one thing, and that is our own use of mind. 
And as we recognize the dominion we have over our use of mind, we are constructing and creating greater quality experiences of life. I love you. I'm not that concerned about you. I'm concerned with my quality of life. And I offer these teachings so that you can do the work. And it's work. Oh. See, nobody ever wants to. I don't know why. You're, you're, like, you're like my Ed McMahon today. <laughs> I keep looking to you like, like you're going to have something to say. <laughs> this stuff is work. Nobody ever wants to hear that, right? And I say it a lot. And then what's the, what's the, what's the punchline? This stuff is work. Until when, William? I decided not. Notice how he changed it? <laughs> he used to say, it's work. And I would say, until when, William? It's not, is what he would say. But he made an important distinction. It's work until I decide it's not. It's a decision. And the work doesn't have to be hard. That's a decision. You get to thrive in this philosophy. That's what I love about this philosophy. It is a philosophy that is encouraging thriving. It is a philosophy that is encouraging living life to the fullest. And it is a philosophy that is encouraging equality and the recognition of equality because when I know who I am, I must understand that about all of creation and therefore we are all on an equal playing field. There can be no isms, there can be no phobias, there can be no detrimental ideas in mind if I know who I am. I can only look upon the faces of every single person I encounter and see one thing and one thing only and that is the face of God irrespective of the Halloween mask you might be wearing. So you, we are each and every one of us an individualization of unified wholeness with dominion over our own use of mind. You are an identity of God. You are an identity of God. You are an identity of wholeness. You are an identity of beingness behind the mask of the life circumstances that you wear. Beyond that road is a shining world. That's the truth. Beyond that road lies despair. That's the mask. Beyond that road lies a world that's gleaming. That's the treat. People who are scheming, that's the trick. And we are so quick to trick our own minds into thinking the truth about those things rather than living the principles of magnificence. I say every week, you are magnificent. We acclaim and exclaim for ourselves, I am magnificent. Are you truly living a magnificent life? You don't have to answer that. But it's a good reflection to have. How magnificent is your life really? Because I could very easily look at all the circumstances of my life and say, oh, it's not so magnificent. Or I could remind myself the truth of my being. I am that which is. We are each and every one of us the most high. We are, we are the light, the life, the peace, the power, the beauty, the joy, the harmony of wholeness. You are not defined by the circumstances of your life, unless you decide to be. You are not defined by the circumstances of your life. You are the relator to those circumstances, of those circumstances. How will you choose to relate to the circumstances of your life from this point moving forward? Will you choose to relate to those circumstances through the trick by being a pragmatist or even a nihilist? Look how bad it is. 
Or will you know that you have dominion and treat yourself to a higher quality of life? There are challenges in this because we could look to the excuses that seem to contradict the good. She talks about this a little bit in the book because she asks the question that comes up in every single class I ever teach in spiritual practice. I see Marva, she's nodding her head. She knows what, she knows what I'm about to say because here's the, here's, the, here's the question that always comes up. What about Hitler? What about Osama bin Laden? What about the terror we see others going through? I knew he had to go. He has to go to his other church gig. Bye, Matt. Thank you. Are you willing to let go of looking at the excuses to this frame of mind? Because here's the thing. Are we going to keep dredging up the past so that it becomes present and active in our present? Or are we willing to say we have learned from the past and we know now how to move forward? Live the treat or live the trick. It's all up to you to decide. It's up to you to decide. How do we experience ourselves as that essence of the divine? Well, that can be the trick. <laughs> because it can't be intellectualized. I talk about it every Sunday for 20, 25, 30, 45, 50 minutes, an hour. <laughs> I will let you know that my talks have gotten considerably shorter since I came back from Toronto. Um, there were a couple talks in Toronto that I gave that were 45 minutes long, but when I was in the mode of it, I didn't realize how much time was passing. Now I have a t countdown clock to keep me honest. <laughs> now everybody's going to look back, how much time does he have? <laughs> we talk about it a lot, but the way to experience and understand your God nature truly is to resonate in the feeling of it. The feeling tone. When I was studying to receive my doctorate in consciousness studies, that's really what I settled my mind into, is that I define God as the feeling tone. And that's the way I experience God, as a feeling, the feeling tone. And so I want us to go into a centering exercise where perhaps we can experience this feeling tone. And I invite you to just allow yourself to have the experience. Let's take a moment and close our eyes, if that's comfortable for you. It is not a requirement. Simply relax into this moment. Simply allow. And I want to read first this quote that Devonport used from Eckhart Tolle. Take a breath. Jesus speaks of the innermost I am, the essence of identity of every man and woman, every life form, in fact. He speaks of the life that you are. Some Christian mystics have called it the Christ within. 
Buddhists call it your Buddha nature. For Hindus, Atman, the indwelling God. When you are in touch with that dimension within yourself, and being in touch with it is your natural state, not some miraculous achievement, all your actions will reflect the oneness with all life that you sense deep within. This is love. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.